Welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to give you the Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Monday Night Raw, NXT, Crown Jewel, Impact Wrestling, AEW Rampage, and SmackDown. The reason, again, I did not include AEW Dynamite in this lineup was because Dynamite will be premiering tonight on TNT, and I can't wait, technically, as you already know. I have a schedule to already uh, post this up Saturday mornings, and today is Saturday morning, so you will be getting, again, AEW Dynamite results tomorrow on my Sunday episode. And without further ado, let me start off with Monday Night Raw. Raw opens up with an in-ring promo from Charlotte Flair. Charlotte complains how there is no good hurrah for her. There's no confetti, there's no balloons, there's no none of that because this Friday, she's drafted over to SmackDown. She will officially be on SmackDown. All the draft results, all the participants that were drafted over to either Raw or SmackDown will be officially on their designated brand Friday. She complains that she has to defend her Raw Women's Championship tonight against Bianca Belair. She mentions how Bianca has two championship matches this week. She reiterates two championship matches this week because, remember, Bianca has a championship match at Crown Jewel for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and tonight she has a main event Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. Charlotte mentions that Bianca won't be able to beat her tonight for the championship, and then out comes Bianca. Bianca mentioned how she deserves this match because everything she's done this year. She's won the Royal Rumble. She's main evented WrestleMania. Everything that's been good about women's wrestling in WWE has mainly came from Bianca, so Bianca earned this Raw Women's Championship match tonight. Bianca mentioned that she is the one to watch and tell Charlotte to wave goodbye to the Raw Women's Championship tonight, and she mentions that next week she plans on being both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion. Charlotte hears this, and then Charlotte forearms Bianca right in the side of her face and then takes off her heels to try to deliver a big boot to Bianca. But Bianca ducks, and Charlotte goes over the top rope and lands on the ring apron. Bianca then hits a handspring onto Charlotte, which makes Charlotte drop off the ring apron, and that's how this segment ends. And this is basically the hype up for their main event match for the Raw Women's Championship later in the night. After this, we get a backstage interview with Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods at the gorilla position. The main point of this is Xavier talks about fulfilling his destiny and becoming king of the ring. He talks about former kings in the past, like King Mabel, King Ken Shamrock, and even King Bukah. So, Xavier wants to be the king, and it's his destiny to be king of the ring. This is something that he's been petitioning for years, and is finally here. So, the only thing he has to do is win his match against Xavier. Uh, Jinder Mahal next, and he will be in the finals to face Finn Balor at Crown Jewel. And we will get that match right now. In the semifinals of the King of the Ring, it was Xavier Woods with Kofi Kingston in his corner going against Jinder Mahal, who in his corner were in Desheer. Xavier Woods wins the match by pinfall. He hits an elbow drop on Jinder Mahal and pins him. Xavier then advances over to the finals where he will be facing Finn Balor. He goes over to the podium where they're the crown, the scepter, and the cape. Kofi puts the cape around Xavier. He gives Xavier the scepter. And they do the whole James Brown whole deal where he walks off with the cape. And then he runs back to the crown and then just lifts up the scepter. And he's making this, knowing that this is his destiny to become the king of the ring. 
Then a video plays of earlier in the day of Austin Theory being interviewed in the backstage, and then he was interrupted by wrestlers running after Reggie for the 24-7 championship. Austin happened to catch R-Truth and challenged him to a match, and R-Truth happened to accept it. Now it's time for said match. Austin Theory going against R-Truth. However, Austin Theory already makes his way down to the entrance, and he's in the ring waiting for R-Truth. And R-Truth comes out, and he says that, hey, I meant to accept the match for R-Truth's friend. And out comes Jeff Hardy. So this is now Jeff Hardy's match with Austin Theory as a rematch from last week. So Jeff Hardy goes against Austin Theory, and Austin Theory beats Jeff Hardy by pinfall. Austin Theory drops Jeff Hardy off the top rope because Jeff was looking to hit the Swanton Bomb, but Austin Theory was able to deck him off the top rope. They put him on his shoulder and hit a spinning knee buster on Jeff, and then he covers him for the win. After the match, Austin Theory gets his phone, and he takes another selfie with a lifeless Jeff Hardy on the mat. And then when Austin gets to his feet and he checks out the photo to see how it looked, Jeff Hardy gets up on his feet and turns Austin around and hits a twist of fate. Now Jeff Hardy ends up grabbing Austin Theory's phone and returns a favor and starts taking a selfie with a lifeless body of Austin Theory. And that's the end of that segment. Now we get backstage to Drew McIntyre and Biggie at Gorilla position. Drew McIntyre ends up apologizing to Biggie for his actions last week of attacking him. And Biggie tells Drew that everything's under the water. And maybe tonight they can't coexist because at Crown Jewel, they know they're going to fight and leave it all on the line. But for tonight, let's at least get the job done where it counts. And Drew ex- uh, accepts it. And so now they're all good turns because later tonight, you'll get Biggie and Drew McIntyre going against the dirty dogs of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Then we get Charlotte going into Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville's office. And Charlotte talks about. She is unfair that she has to defend her Raw Women's Championship tonight. She talks about this being a whole big conspiracy. Women in the locker room being jealous of her. Management being jealous of her. Charlotte mentions that she will not be passed over for someone like Bianca and claims that she will retain her championship tonight and leaves out of her office. Now it's time for the tag team match of Big E and Drew McIntyre going against Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Big E and Drew win the match by pinfall. This happened when Big E hits Robert Roode with a big ending and covers him for the win. After the match, Big E and Drew McIntyre are in each other's face. They shake hands. And then as soon as Drew was walking away, about to get out of the ring, Big E says something over to Drew. And Drew walks over to Big E and they get face-to-face, nose-to-nose, and they start trash-talking each other. This is their last-ditch effort, ladies and gentlemen, to get people to really like, sink their teeth into this match for Crown Jewel. And again, I am not... uh, I mean, they're going to do what they got to do at Crown Jewel. But here's my deal. We know Big E's going to win. That's already the case. But uh, the thing with me is, what is who who's next for Big E? That's the big question for who's next for Big E. We know Drew's going after Roman, but who is really next for Big E? After this, we get a backstage segment from the Street Profits. They hype up Crown Jewel. They run down the match card, but they said they have a specific interest in the Raw Tag Team Championship match because they're back on Raw, and they're here to basically give anybody the smoke. AJ Styles and Omos then happen to walk in on these two talking, and AJ hears everything they're saying and wants to let them know that they run Raw. The Street Profits laughs at them, and they mention how they're here to put the tag team division on notice and give anybody the smoke. After this, we get a match between Mansoor going against Cedric Alexander with Shelton Benjamin in his corner. Mansoor wins the match by pinfall. Mansoor was able to hit a springboard neckbreaker on Cedric Alexander to 
beat him and get the win. After the match, Ali comes out and tells Mansoor that at Crown Jewel in front of Mansoor's friends and family, he's going to wipe that stupid smile off of his face. And, Mansour, and Ali keeps talking and talking, and Mansoor then gets a microphone and tells Ali to shut up. And at Crown Jewel, he's going to be smiling, but he's going to be smiling because he's going to wipe the floor with Ali. And Mansoor even says some stuff to him, and I don't know if it was Arabic, or I don't know if it was... It was in their native tongue. Let's put it like that. And Ali's face was real concerned because he sees how serious Mansoor is. Mansoor has always been this laughable guy, this guy that's just so happy to be here. But Ali really has awoken something in Mansoor. And Ali's, by Ali's face, he's really petrified by this. Now we get a Bobby Lashley and Goldberg interview where both of them are in different locations and it's split screen down the middle. And the main point of this is that Goldberg's calm, cool, and collected. He's just letting Bobby Lashley talk, and he tells Bobby Lashley that he's planning on killing him at Crown Jewel. Bobby Lashley informs Goldberg that you can't kill the Almighty. And Bobby Lashley keeps on talking to Goldberg, and he mentions Goldberg's son, and Goldberg just tells him, I will suggest you watch what you say, because the only thing he's going to do is make me give you more pain and make this anguish go on just for a little bit longer than what it's supposed to go. So, Bobby Lashley continues to still poke the bear of Goldberg, and Goldberg just tells him that he can't wait to see him at Crown Jewel to kill him. And that's how it ends. And again, this is another one of these matches that I'm understanding and I'm cool with, but I hope after this, we're done with seeing Goldberg on Raw, at least for a good minute, because his, I believe his contract is that he goes on Raw for a designated time, just like Bob, uh, Brock Lesnar. They show up for a couple of dates, and then they're out of here, they collect a big paycheck. And I believe this is just one of his last matches that Goldberg's supposed to be fulfilling for his contract of the year, and then we'll see him next year. After this, we get a backstage promo between Randy Orton and Riddle. Riddle tells Randy that he's happy that Randy's plan went well last week, and they were able to attack AJ Styles. Randy tells Riddle that there was no plan. Riddle says that he doesn't believe him and asks Randy, what's their plan for the Street Profits tonight? Randy tells Riddle that tonight they're going to go out there and win. And then at Crown Jewel, they're going to go out there and win against AJ Styles and Omos. And Riddle's okay with this. And now it's time for their tag team match. RK Bro going against the Street Profits. And it is in the DQ. This was a great tag team match. I'm not going to front and lie to you. Again, WWE could put on great tag team matches. And especially with the knowledge that everybody has that Vince McMahon doesn't like tag team matches. It seems like he needs to get with the program, or at least he's starting to get with it, because whenever tag team matches are together with credible tag teams, or at least in this case, two credible uh, wrestlers like Riddle and Orton going against a credible tag team, a great tag team match will always come out of it. Anyway, this match ends in a DQ thanks to the team of AJ Styles and Omos coming out. But Randy was in the position to hit Montez Ford with RKO, and he was ready for Montez to get up. AJ's music hits. Randy turns his head up the entrance ramp, and he's looking for AJ to come out, but Omos comes walking down the ramp. Randy knows exactly what's about to happen, because he doesn't see AJ, and he knows exactly what's about to happen, because this is exactly what Randy did last week. He turns around, and then as soon as he turns around, he sees AJ right in the air, and he AJ delivers a phenomenal forearm on Randy for payback for RKO in him last week. The referee rings the bell, and now you get Omos going to work. He starts putting... Uh, Damage onto the Street Profits and even Chokeslam's Riddle on the ring apron. 
AJ Styles trash talks Orton and then leaves the ring. Omos is now in the ring and he's about to leave the ring, but he sees Randy getting up to his feet. Omos is then holding himself in position and he roundhouse kick Orton right on the shoulder. Orton drops and then you get AJ Styles and Omos leaving. After this, we have a semifinals match for the Queen Crown Tournament. Uh, semifinals. And it's Shayna Baszler going to his dude drop. Selena Vega comes out on the stage wearing the crowning uh, cape while this match happens. And Dewdrop wins the match by surprise. Uh, Shayna had Dewdrop in the Coquina Clutch, but Dewdrop wouldn't tap out. Dewdrop would just constantly just endure the pain. And it, when it looks like she's about to tap out, she didn't. So Dewdrop then decides to lean back onto Shayna so Shayna's shoulders can be on the mat. And once the referee sees this, he started making the count. And as soon as he hits three, Shayna pulls her shoulder up, but it was already too late. Dewdrop wins the match by pinfall. So now it'll be Dewdrop going against Selena Vega at Crown Jewel in the finals of the Korean Crown Tournament. After this, we get a match between Finn Balor and Mace. And before the match begins, Xavier Woods is at the display sitting on the throne and he's watching this match happen. And he's trying to pick up on a strategy to go against Finn, his opponent, for the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. Finn was able to win the match by pinfall. Pin, uh, Finn was able to hit the coup de gras onto Mace and pin him for the win. After the match, Finn walks over to Xavier, and Xavier mouths off to Finn about becoming king. He says this is his destiny, and Finn is good and all, but Xavier's time is now. Xavier even points the scepter at Finn, and Finn just grabs the scepter from Xavier, and Xavier looks at Finn funny, and then he just gets all up in Finn's face. And now you get the jaw jacket between Xavier and Finn. And this gets almost to blows until Kofi has to walk out from uh, backstage and intervene between the two. And tells him, hey, yo, you guys got a crown jewel. Crown jewel. You guys got to wait until crown jewel. He's basically the mediator for these two. And that's how this segment ends. Now we get a backstage segment of John Morrison meditating. And the Viking Raiders ask him, what are you doing? Morrison tells him that he's looking for his missing... Chi. That I don't know what they're doing with Morrison. I'm I'm not even gonna try to stun lie to you. I don't know what they're doing with Morrison. I hope they do something because Morrison is still a credible uh wrestler. He can still do high flying aerial maneuvers, he can do anything that's acts of him. I just wish that he would get treated better because John Morrison is that guy. John Morrison had great matches in Lucha Underground, he had great matches in Impact Wrestling. I mean, just bring John Morrison up to credibility. It ain't that hard to do. If you're able to do that with The Miz, and I'm not saying that The Miz hasn't deserved it, but John Morrison is a better in-ring talent than The Miz, and that's where a lot of your uh, baseline really matters. Yes, you can bring fans into the ring, but if your matches suck, nobody's going to want to watch you. So John Morrison has mic skills, not to the degree of The Miz, but he has better ring abilities than The Miz, and if you're able to make The Miz a main event guy, and again, it's no hate for The Miz, I like The Miz, I really truly do, I picked him literally mad years ago as being a world champion, and my prediction came true, John Morrison has the potential to be a world champion in WWE, that's just simple, and it's all up to WWE to make that happen, anyway, I just want to get that off my chest here, now it's time for the main event, a Raw for the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair going against Bianca Belair, uh, this match was incredible. When you got a woman like Charlotte Flair who has great matches and a woman like Bianca Belair who, since coming up to the main roster, who had a few with Bailey and then Sasha and then even did her a couple matches with Selena Vega and Carmella, 
Bianca Belair hasn't missed at all this year. Wouldn't have a good matches, and this matches continue to follow. Uh, this was a great match between the two, and it ends in a disqualification, and the win goes over to Bianca Belair, but she does not get the Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte hits Bianca Belair in the gut with a steel chair. That's when the referee calls for the bell. And then Bianca Belair drop kicks the chair into Charlotte's face because Charlotte was about to hit Bianca in the face. But Bianca drop kicks the chair into Bianca's, not Bianca, into Charlotte's face. Then Bianca picks up the chair and hits Charlotte in the back. And then Charlotte rolls out of the ring. So that's how Raw ends with Bianca holding the chair up. So now... She might not be two belts, Bianca, but she might have an opportunity to still walk out this week with a championship at Crown Jewel, but only time will tell, and that's how Monday Night Raw ends. Now on to NXT. NXT opens up with an in-ring promo from the new North American champion, Carmelo Hayes, and his right-hand man, Trick Williams. Melo mentions how four months ago he came into NXT and has kept that same energy. He was the new guy. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. But for the last two months, he has been rocking around NXT with the golden ticket. And he was here to call a shot. And he mentions that whenever Melo calls a shot, he doesn't miss. And he did it last week. And now he's the new North American champion. He calls himself the leader of the new school, meaning the leader of the new era of NXT. And he calls the North American title the A Championship. He doesn't care whoever gets mad. He doesn't care if management, the wrestlers in the back, or even Tommaso Ciampa, who is the NXT champion. He is here to make the North American champion the A Championship because he holds it. And then he gets interrupted by Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano, who hasn't been on NXT television for a good couple of weeks. Gargano mentions to Melo that he has been North American champion more than anybody in the company's history. And Gargano says that he's lost his way and he found it tonight because now he's on the mission to challenge Carmelo for the North American Championship. And he does this and Carmelo is ready to take the challenge up, but Trick walks in between Gargano and Melo and he tells Gargano that Indy has been trying to hit on Melo and him in their DMs. Gargano jokes with Trick and Melo then tells Gargano, hey man, that's supposed to be somebody that you care about. Johnny says, yeah, I know that. And that's my son-in-law right behind you. And right behind him is Dexter Loomis. And Dexter goes and tries to lock in the silencer on Melo, but he was able to lock it in on Trick Williams. Now Melo has the North American Championship in his hand. He drops it, and then he runs over to Trick and pulls Trick out of the ring. And now you got Melo and Trick out of the ring. And Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis, and the North American Championship are in the ring. Melo looks to put his hands around the championship and he meant and he notices that the championship belt isn't around his waist or his shoulders and then he sees the belt in the ring and he tells trick to go get the ring go get the belt and trick is like no nah, i'm not gonna go back in that ring and then as soon as he's about to go in there dexter is right there just staring a hole into his soul and they retreat so now johnny gargano and dexter lewis has possession of the north american championship after this segment, we get a match between Odyssey Jones going against Andre Chase. Odyssey Jones beat Andre Chase by a pinfall. Odyssey wins by hitting a running splash onto Chase and pins him. This was a run-of-the-mill throwaway match just for something to further along their uh, feud. After this, we get Malcolm Bivens with the rest of Diamond Mine walking towards the gorilla position. And Malcolm Bivens talks about how 
he sees people asking for championship opportunities around here in NXT while the Creed brothers have been dominating the tag division and they've gotten squat. So now Michael Bivens know that they're not going to be asking for championship opportunities. They're just going to start taking them. So now it's time for the Creed brothers with the rest of Diamondmite in their corner to go against Imperium. Imperium wins the match by pinfall, but they also win thanks to Ikemen Yaro and Kushida interfering. When the Creed brothers had this match won, and they were dominating the match, Ikemen Yaro and Kushida comes out of the entrance ramp, and they start walking towards the ring, but they were met by both Brutus Creed and Roderick Strong. And as Roderick and Brutus were fighting Kushida and Ikemen outside of the ring, Julius Creed was rolled up by Marcel Bartel, and that's how Imperium gets the win. After the match has uh, been done, you get Diamond Mind all fighting Kushida and Ikemen to the backstage, and Imperium's in the ring just looking at this chaos unfold. They're attacked by behind by the NXT champ tag team champions, MSK, and MSK is basically paying them back for an attack that happened on them two weeks ago. MSK beat them up and then sent them out of the ring, and then they ultimately ended up challenging them to a match next week on Halloween Havoc for the NXT Tag Team Championships, which gets officially made, and the stipulation for that match is spin the wheel, make the deal. So next week, we'll have to find out what their uh, stipulation is for that match. After this, we get a video playing of Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly working out in the woods. Uh, they're trying to build up some bond and try to build up some trust because, again, Kyle O'Reilly has been through this whole deal where his last partner, Adam Cole, turning on him. And uh, Kyle O'Reilly's still having a hard time trusting people. And Von Wagner is just trying to put Kyle O'Reilly's mind at ease and let him know, hey, you can trust me. So they're working out in the woods. They're doing everything. They're doing squats on tree limbs. They're chopping wood, they were doing all this stuff, and then they end it all by sitting around a campfire, a bonfire, if you will, and they drink some beers, and Kyle O'Reilly tells them, man, I really am liking you, you know what, I'm starting to develop some trust in you, and maybe we can even mesh together, and we can cause some damage in NXT, Von Wagner cheers to that, so now, it seems like Kyle O'Reilly has trust Von Wagner, and it seems that we might be looking at a new tag team right in front of our eyes, but only time will tell. Then we get a backstage promo from Joe Gacy, and he talks uh, directly to Harlan. Harlan, again, is the big, bald guy that came to Joe Gacy's, I'm not going to say rescue, but he put his hands around Tommaso Ciampa's throat last week, and Joe Gacy was the one to calm Harlan down, so you can tell that Joe Gacy has some... Uh, uh, I'm not going to say, well, he has some control over Harlan. And he tells Harlan that he's here to speak to the likes of the snowflakes, the disenfranchised, the people that are not being listened to. And he's here to make NXT a better place. And with Harlan by his side, Gacy can achieve a lot of things. So Harlan is now by the side of Joe Gacy. That's basically what this whole backstreet promo was all about. After this, we get an in-ring uh, promo from Santos Escobar and the rest of Legado del Fantasma. But the thing about this is, Electra Lopez is in gear because she has a match next. Santos says that Carmelo is the luckiest man walking around NXT because last week Santos was supposed to win the NXT North American Championship, but thanks to Carmelo Hayes coming out, Carmelo cost him that, and he tells him that 
he'll be waiting for him whenever he finds his North American championship. He then hands over the microphone to Electra Lopez, and Electra was about to say something, but she gets interrupted by her opponent for tonight, and it was Cora Jade. So now it's time for their match. Electra Lopez with Legata de Fantasma in her corner going against Cora Jade. Cora Jade wins the match technically because Electra Lopez was dominating this match, and she was about to hit a back suplex, but Cora Jade was able to slide out of it and able to hit an inside cradle on Electra Lopez. And as the referee was counting, he did his one, two, and then he's about to hit the three. Electra kicks out, but the referee still counts at three. So technically, Cora wins the match, but we don't know how that affects this whole deal going on, well, going on later. But we will soon find out later on in the program. After this, we get a backstage promo with Braun Breaker and the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa. The interview asked them, can they coexist tonight since they have a match against each other uh, next week for the North America, not the North America, for the NXT championship at Halloween Havoc. Braun says that he know he talks to Tommaso point blank to his face and he says, I've seen this plenty of times. I know how this is going to go. You hit me. You say you didn't mean it. And I get pinned. Braun says, I'm, that's not going to happen tonight. And tells Ciampa to watch it. Tommaso says, hey, man, you say you're going to be watching me and protecting me until next week. So I'm going to be following your lead. And before Tommaso leaves, he calls Braun champ. And he walks away. And Braun just looks at him with an intense look on his face with a smile. So Braun is literally jacked and ready to go. So we'll have to see if they can coexist uh, later tonight in their main event match. After this, now it's time for a triple threat match between Io Shirai, JC Jane, and Persia because the winner of this match gets to choose the stipulation for uh, their North American, not North American, God, I'm getting used to saying North American so many times, their NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match next week in the triple threat match, and the winner gets to spin the wheel to make that decision. Earlier in the match, however, JC does get taken out because she was trying to go for a dive through the ropes, but her foot uh, catches the ropes and her head hits the floor, and it hits hard. So medical personnel has to take her out of the match. So now it's down to Persia and Io Shirai. And Io wins the match by hitting a moonsault off the top turnbuckle and uh, pins Persia. After the match, Io goes out there and she's standing next to her tag team partner, Zoe Starks. And Io spins the wheel and the wheel lands on stairway to hell ladder match. So it's basically a ladder match. So next week for the North, not God, next week for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. It'll be Io Shirai and Zoe defending those belts against J.C. Jane, maybe, and Gigi Dolan, and Indy Harwell in Persia in a Stairway to Hell ladder match. They then play a video of Legato del Fantasma beating up Trey Baxter, who is Cora J's boyfriend, and they're beating him up backstage, and then uh, Brooks and Jensen come to the aid of Baxter, and they start beating up Legato until NXT personnel and referees Come in between them, and later on tonight, you get a match between uh, Brooks and Jensen going against Legato del Fantasma. A video plays of Solo Sequoia making his debut next week at Halloween Havoc, and again, Solo Sequoia is the brother of the Usos. So I can't wait to see him make his debut on NXT. After this, we get another video, and this time it's Ikemen meeting up with Kushida in the bathroom, and that was weird. And basically, they're forming a tag team to take out, to take out Diamond Mind. 
Ikemen is happy to be teaming up with a legend like Kushida, and Kushida's just happy to be teaming up with Ikemen to take out Diamond Mind. After this, we get a match between Tony D'Angelo and a guy named Rufing. Fing. Tony wins the match by hitting a Northern Light suplex, then floats over and hits a spinning fisherman suplex for the win. After the match, Tony D'Angelo is interviewed inside the ring and questioned about the whereabout of Lash Legend's producer going missing last week. Because remember, Lash Legend had a talk show last week, and Tony D'Angelo wanted to be on the show, but Lash Legend's producer didn't allow him to, so Tony D'Angelo kind of kidnapped the man. Tony asks the interviewer if she's some type of snitch, and he, she tells, and he tells her to forget about it. He gives her some money and tells her to go buy herself something, and he ends it with the whole forget about it thing, and the crowd is all eating this up. Tony D'Angelo's character is of a Italian Sopranos character, and I understand why his character is being uh, cheered so much. I do. The Sopranos are starting, not going to say starting, but since the Sopranos movie, The Many Saints of Newark came out, people have been binge-watching The Sopranos, which I have personally been doing, and I understand exactly why his uh, character is flourishing, and Tony D'Angelo is doing pretty well in NXT. After this, uh, we get... Now it's time for Brooks and Jensen's uh, scheduled match against Legato, but... They were attacked backstage by Legato before they made their way to the ring. However, the match still goes on because Brooks and Jensen punch out some security dudes for trying to stop the match, but they still want to continue on, so it is Legato going against Brooks and Jensen. Legato wins the match by pinfall. They do this by hitting their tag team finish, which is a Russian leg sweep with Raul Mendoza hitting a running insecurity onto Jensen to get the win, and it's a pinfall. They did play a video to hype up the match between Raquel Gonzalez and Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship next week, and they talk about the difference between the two. You see Raquel Gonzalez in the gym all the time, just doing it work, and then you see Mandy Rose at the pool, getting out of the pool, driving around in her car, taking pictures, and still working in the gym. So it's going to be a nice dynamic to see what's going to happen next week in that match. Then you get a video playing of somebody like digging up a hole and they're putting in objects in there. You get a television in there. You see a WWE chair in there. You get playing cards in there. They even break a glass, and they talk about reincarnation. So more or less, we'll probably see somebody um, be making a re-debut on the NXT next week because that person is supposed to be showing up on Halloween Havoc next week. And I personally can't wait for that because I don't know who it's supposed to be. Maybe, be, maybe it's Ember Moon making a re-debut for a new character, a new change of attitude. Maybe it's uh, somebody else that's probably just left my mind, but I'm real curious to see who it is. After this, we get a backstage segment between Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, and they're looking for the North American Championship. And Trick Williams is checking all these locker lockers inside his locker room, and Trick then opens up one locker, and then on the inside of it, is a piece of paper that has a cartoon version of Johnny Gargano and Dexter Lumas on it, and it has a haunted house, it has a message on the back of it, and the message says to Carmelo and Trick to meet him at a haunted house next week if he wants a championship back. Carmelo tells Trick we're going to do that, and Trick doesn't like it because he doesn't like haunted houses, but Carmelo says we're going to do it anyway. After this, we get a match between LA Knight and Grayson, Wh well, Grayson Waller, sorry, and the winner of this match gets to host 
uh, Halloween Havoc next week. LA Knight wins the match by hitting the BFT, which is the Blunt Force Traumas, which is a kick to the gut and a uh, head, well, a, a driver, a head driver into the mat and covers him for the win. This was a throwaway match again. It's only going to be LA Knight basically probably being the bad guy next week, talk, trash talking a whole lot of guys. And I can't wait for that because LA Knight's a good uh, wrestler and he's a good trash talker. So him being the host, I like it. Now it's time for the main event. Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker going against Grizzled Young Veterans. Tommaso and Braun win the match by pinfall. And this happens when Tommaso slaps Braun on the neck. And he does this because Tommaso was taking a beating in this match. And whenever he did try to tag in Braun, Braun wasn't there in the corner. Braun was on the outside beating up Zach Gibson. And then when he gets on the corner, Tommaso slaps around on the neck. And now Braun is pissed. Braun is about to punch Tommaso, but Tommaso ducks and Braun ends up hitting James Drake. And now Braun is beating up James Drake, but he has all this like extra mustard onto this punishment because he's envisioning this being Tommaso. And he hits a spinning belly to belly onto James Drake. He even put he even puts him in the Steiner recliner. And then he finishes it off by hitting a press slam and transitions it over into a power slam to get the win. After the match, Tommaso grabs the championship and he's walking up the ramp and you hear Braun yelling at Tommaso to hold the belt close because next week he plans on taking it from him. Tommaso hears this, gets in the ring, he gets in the face of Braun and raises up the NXT North America. God, the NXT championship. And uh, and that's the end of NXT. I want to apologize for me. Keep on saying NXT North American championship. Apparently, Kamala Hayes has worked. The plan for him has worked. I see that belt as the main belt, because I keep on saying North American, as you guys heard from it. Uh, I just want to apologize for that. And also, I want to add one more thing. If I don't get Braun Breaker as Scott Steiner next week on Halloween Havoc, this is a completely wasted opportunity. Braun Breaker did a spinning belly-to-belly suplex, just like his uncle did. He did the Steiner recliner, just like his uncle. He did the whole, huh, thing, just like his uncle, throughout this whole match. And if I don't get at least a blonde tip in his goatee and him wearing some black trunks next week, he doesn't even have to even he doesn't even have to go go the whole full Steiner regalia with the whole chains and everything on the neck, well on the head. I just need my man to dress up like Scott just for a little bit to at least give everybody that feeling. Like, okay, WWE is not trying to erase the whole Steiner name, and that Braun is trying to make some leeway at least like, build the bridge between the Steiners and WWE. I see Braun being able to do that, but I hope they give him the opportunity to give him the chance to draw, to dress like his uncle, especially for Halloween Havoc. It's Halloween, bro. Let him get, let him do that, WWE. If not, hey, I'm cool, because he still dresses up like his father, Rick Steiner, with the whole mismatchy, uh, singlet, the whole colorful singlet, so I'm still cool with that, but it would just make a whole lot of much more sense to him just to give a little wink wink and head nod to the fans that are at home and are making the comparison of him and his uncle, Scott Steiner. I'm just saying, but again, that's the end of NXT. Now it's time for Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel opens up with an Hell in a Cell match between Seth Rollins and Edge. Personally, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't think they would open up this uh, event with this. I thought they would have did the Raw Tag Team Championship match, but no, they opened it up with Hell in a Cell. Might I say, this was literally one of the match of the nights. 
Um, I believe this match and the last match were literally the match of the nights that people really came to see, but I'll get to the last match at the end of this uh, section of the crown jewel. But anyway, Seth Rollins uh, lost to Edge, so that means I was down one. Um, Edge won by pinfall when Seth was looking to curb stomp Edge uh, head on the steel chair. However, that doesn't go to plan. Edge sees this coming. He picks up the steel chair and angles it in a way that when Seth jumps up and he's already in mid-jump for the curb stomp, he lands right on the chair and the chair hits Seth right in the nuts. As soon as this happened, Edge gets up and super kicks Seth right in the face. And then Edge wraps his, uh, he wraps, he grabs the chain that wrapped around Seth's leg because earlier, not earlier, a couple minutes before Seth was uh, about to start curb stomp Edge's head right on the steel chair, Seth wrapped his foot around in the steel chain and he super kicked Edge in the face. So now Edge is getting a retaliation. He grabs the chain that's wrapped around Seth Rollins' leg and he wraps it around both of Rollins' legs and then around Rollins' mouth and he just pulls on it and Rollins is in agonizing pain. He's yelling and he looks like he's about to tap out and then Edge uh, transitioned it over into a cross face and then he holds on to it and then Edge again is putting so much pressure on it that Seth looks like he's about to tap out, but Edge lets go. And the commentators are looking at this and saying that Edge let go of the crossface. What's he doing? And then Michael Cole says he doesn't want to end it yet. And then as Edge gets up, he grabs the steel chair and he puts it right under Seth's head. And Edge goes for his own curb stomp, and he does. He curb stomps Seth Rollins' head right on the steel chair, and Edge pins him for the win. And that is the hopefully the end of this uh, rivalry between Seth Rollins and Edge, at least until Royal Rumble picks up again. And then we'll see them like battle it out inside the Royal Rumble match. But Rollins lost. I thought Rollins was going to win because I thought we were going to get Rollins going against Big E on Monday nights. Personally, because again, Big E has nobody to challenge. There's not a lot of credit. I mean, there's credible people. You can say Edge, but I don't see Big E working with Edge like that yet. I see him having some connections, some history with Seth. But hey, we'll have to see how that uh, goes. But this Hell in the Cell match was good. It was a great match. I can't cover everything inside the match. Just know this. Seth went through a lot of steel. Uh, he went through about a good two tables in this match. And then he sunset powerbombed Edge off the ladder into on through a table inside the ring. Well, table inside the ring, yeah. So this, still, this Hell in the Cell match was good. I just am trying to not... I'm trying not to be stingy with the information because there was a whole lot of things going on in this Hell in a Cell match that I just want you guys to watch it. It's a excellent Hell in a Cell. Only thing I will say is I wish they had blood, but again, they're in a different country. They're in Saudi Arabia, and I don't know the rules for the blood and all that, so that's the only pullback that I have on it. But, hey, it was a great Hell in a Cell match, uh, bar none, though. After this, we had Mansoor going against Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor wins the match by pinfall. So now I'm one and one. Uh, Mansoor was able to move out of the way when Mustafa went to the top rope, and he goes for the 450 splash, and Mansoor moves. So Mustafa hits the mat, and then Mansoor gets on the ring apron, and then he hits a springboard neckbreaker onto Ali and gets the win. So Mansoor is still undefeated in Saudi Arabia, and he beat. Mustafa Ali in front of his home country, in front of his family and friends. 
After the match, however, Mustafa Ali got in and started attacking Mansoor from the back. He started punching him in the face and stomping him out in the corner and just telling him that he's nothing, he's trash. Until a mysterious figure walks out on the entrance ramp and they have music playing for this figure. This guy was walking down the ramp so slow that even Michael Cole said, this guy is not even in a, a hurry of a pace. But once the guy got in the ring, he stared down at Mustafa Ali, and Ali just told the guy to get out the ring, get out. And then once he uncovered his face, it was a guy named Tariq Hamadi. Uh, he's a Saudi Arabian karate guy who won the silver medal in the Olympics this year. And apparently he got disqualified in the Olympics. Again, I didn't pay attention to the Olympics, so I'm just going off of what they mentioned. And um, he got disqualified. And Mustafa Ali saw that, and he's like, okay, he wants him out of the ring. He doesn't want to fight him. But then the guy is challenging Ali to a fight. So Ali does accept, and then he, he runs over to uh, Trigg, and Trigg straight up just kicks him right in the side of his head. And Ali gets knocked out by this. Mansoor gets up, and now he's shaking hand with Trigg, and now they both raise their hands, and that's the end of this. After this, we get a Raw Tag Team Championship match between RK Bro and AJ Styles and Omaz. Before the match begins, I just want to highlight this. Matt Riddle came riding down on a camel. Just wanted to clarify that. Anyway, RK Bro does win the match by pinfall, and they retain their Raw Tag Team Championships. Randy was able to catch AJ Styles in the midair and hit him with the RKO. I swear, every time Randy does it, it's always a beautiful-looking maneuver every time he catches somebody in midair and just delivers the RKO. Randy then tags Riddle in, and Riddle hits the floating bro, and then he pins Styles for the win, and that's how RK-Bro retained their Raw Tag Team Championships. After this, we get another match, and it's time for the finals of the Queen Crown uh, Tournament. It's between Selena Vega and Dewdrop. And Selena wins by pinfall. So now I am 3-1. I picked RK Bro to win, so that made me 2-1. And, and this one, I'm 3-1 because I picked Selena. Uh, Dewdrop was dominating majority of the match. Dewdrop has the size and the height advantage on Selena. But when Dewdrop was looking to hit Selena with her uh, body splash, Selena was able to move out of the way. And then Selena was waiting for Dewdrop to get up. And then hit her with the code red and won the match. My pinfall. So Selena is now the queen of WWE. And I would like to hear how Charlotte feels about that. Because Charlotte is supposed to be the queen. So this is going to be a nice little interesting thing. Especially with Survivor Series coming in within another couple weeks. After the match, Selena went over to the podium. And she dawns on the cape and the crown. And now is announced as Queen Selena. So I know... Malachi Black was probably at home watching this, and he was happy for his wife, so congratulations to Selena Vega. After this, now it's time for no holds bar match between Bobby Lashley and Goldberg, and now I am 3-2 and two because Goldberg wins the match by pinfall. Lashley, again, he dominated early part of this match. Uh, the only time this thing got turned around to Goldberg's uh, dominance was whenever Lashley set up a table in the corner of the ring, and he was about to spear Goldberg through it. Goldberg moved, Lashley went through the table, and this allowed Goldberg to start dominating Lashley. He's with a spear and a jackhammer. He does a pin Lashley. He takes off his gloves. He throws Lashley outside the ring. Then Goldberg spears Lashley through a barricade. And then he brings Bobby Lashley over to the steel steps. And he removes the steel steps. Well, the top steel step off the bottom one. He pushes Lashley on the bottom steel step. Then he grabs the top of it. And he's about to smash 
the steel top steel step onto Bobby Lashley's body and he drops it and Lashley moves out of the way. So now you got Lashley going up the entrance ramp and he's trying to move away from Goldberg. And as he makes his way up and stands up, he starts walking towards the back and then he looks at Goldberg and then he waves his hands. And now you get the hurt business of Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander coming out with kendo sticks. And they hand one kindle stick over to Lashley, and now they're about to all just trying to jump on Goldberg. But Goldberg was able to throw and take care of both Shelton and Cedric Alexander. And then he picks up one of their kindle sticks. And now it's down to Lashley and Goldberg with kindle sticks in hand. Goldberg hits Bobby Lashley in the stomach and then in the back. And then Goldberg spears Lashley and himself off the entrance ramp through two tables on the opposite side of the entrance ramp. And they go right through it, and Goldberg gets up, and he pins Lashley, and that's how the match ends. And uh, this match, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Goldberg looked way better in this match than he did going against The Undertaker, and then he go against The Fiend. So I have no problem with a match like this happening. It was way better than I expected it. So congratulations to both Goldberg and Lashley. Good job. After this, now it's time for the King of the Ring Finals. Finn Balor going against Xavier Woods. And now you're 4-2, and I can say this with my whole chest. Congratulations to Xavier Woods. All hail, King Xavier. I want you to hear it again. All hail, King Xavier. Xavier won the match and is now your new King of the Ring winner. Xavier was able to hit his limit breaker elbow drop on Finn Balor and cover him for the win. After the match, Xavier goes over to the podium. He drapes... Uh, the cape on him, but the cape falls off. He puts the crown on his head, and then he picks up the scepter, and he's announced as King Xavier. This was a happy thing. All the professional wrestling and social media, everybody in every other com company that has know who Xavier is, and they've heard a reputation. They were all congratulating Xavier Woods because everybody knows the story. He's documented, saying that he wants to be the king of the ring. He knows he wasn't big enough to be world champion, so he's always been dedicated to look at the king of the ring. So he now has it. And I am going to say this again with my full chest out. The New Day is the greatest faction. The greatest stable. I don't care how you want to make the names up. They are the greatest group of men in all of WWE. They're better than The Shield. They're better than D-Generation X. They're better than Evolution. They're better than the Corporation or whatever you want to call it. They are the best. They start off as three lower guys. Mid-tier guys, if you will, and they were able to elevate themselves up by their own hard work and determination and certain people in the backstage area that actually believed in them. And they were able to get to the top slot. They were able to outsell a lot of people in merchandise. They're able to always be on television, always able to put on excellent matches, always able to put on excellent segments. They were able to give you guys and sell you on Bootios a cereal. No, only the only person that probably could even do that remotely is John Cena. Let's be honest, anything John Cena touches on the WWE platform, and whenever he was hot, hot, he was selling. So the New Day wasn't even at John Cena level, but they had to make it. They did it themselves. There was all three guys that were able to enjoy what they were doing. And they are now at the top of the mountain. Kofi, solidified legend, period. Big E is a legend in the making right now, and Xavier, he can walk off of WWE right now, and still have a career in, in video games, and he's made his way into the entertainment side of the business already right now, the New Day is literally the greatest faction, stable group of men to have ever grace WWE's 
platform, their company, their organization, however you want to call it. The New Day is the best. Nobody could talk to me. Nobody could tell me nothing. They are. And I doubt anybody to say something because trust me, I can go down the list of how every other faction isn't even comparable. And if somebody says the Four Horsemen, Four Horsemen, I'll, don't make me do that. Ric Flair was a top guy already. He pulled up Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson said it himself. Tully Blanchard was already a guy that they were already on the level of trying to make him one of the legit top guys that just wasn't going to hold the world championship. And Ole was the booker. Let's not do this. So, again, I want to get through. Everybody said the New Day is the greatest faction, stable, collective group of individuals that have ever walked WWE's platform ever. Now, with that being said, now to another member of the New Day, Big E. Big E going against Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, and I am 5-2, and two, and this one everybody should have had on their bingo card. Big E wins the match by pinfall, and he hits uh, Drew McIntyre with the big ending after catching him off of the, running off the ropes and picking him up on the shoulder, delivering the big ending. No more none need to be said. So now it's five and two for your boy. I then get five and three because I lost this prediction, and it was time for the triple threat women's SmackDown championship match between Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair. Be Becky Lynch wins the match by pinfall when Bianca Belair hits the KOD on Becky, and she's about to cover, but Sasha comes in and throws Bianca out of the ring. Well, she tries to, but Bianca's able to throw Sasha out of the ring, and then Bianca's legs get grabbed by Sasha, and she gets pulled out of the ring by Sasha, and then Sasha runs it back into the ring, runs over to Becky, and Becky gets Sasha in with an inside cradle and holds the rope, and the referee counts to one, two, three. So Becky is still your SmackDown Women's Championship champion, and she carries that championship over to Raw, as Charlotte carries the Raw Women's Championship over to SmackDown. It is an interesting time for WWE, especially in that parameter, but we'll see how that works. And let me just say this, all three women put their heart and soul into this match. They only could do but so much because, again, they're in Saudi Arabia. They still were able to do a lot, and especially with Bianca Belair. By God, she is strong, strong. I mean, she's strong, strong, ladies and gentlemen. She had Sasha Banks up for a gorilla press, then took one of her arms down and just held her with the other hand. And people might say, Joe, that was cooperation on Sasha Banks' side. Yeah, cool, but imagine how many times we've seen a gorilla press where people cooperated, and then it just happens to be one step off, and then somebody gets dropped or some mishap happens. No. Bianca was able to still hold up Sasha while Sasha's still cooperating with her, but with one hand. That is strength, and that is talent out the butt. Bianca Belair is literally on her way to being literally one of the greatest women wrestlers in WWE, not just off of wrestling, but also entertainment value and charisma. Just want to throw that one out there. Now it's time for the main event, what everybody was waiting to see. The Universal Championship match between Roman Reigns, who had Paul Heyman in his corner, and Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns is still the undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion without controversy because when Brock Lesnar had Roman Reigns up for the F5, he hits Brock Lesnar with the, he hits Roman with the F5, but he in the process he knocks the referee out because Roman's leg hits the referee. And in the process of this happening, Brock grabs the referee up, he tries to get him up, but this allows Roman Reigns to get some time and get up and spear Lashley right. Not Lashley, but uh, Brock Lesnar right in the gut. 
So when this happens, now you have Lesnar and Roman Reigns in the ring, just a little bit of inches right between each other. And then you get Paul Heyman, who was not making facial expressions or nothing. He was standing there stoic throughout this whole match. And at this particular moment, he has the Universal Championship in his hands. And he just throws it right in the middle between the two. And he yells out, you know what to do. And then he turns away. And then you see Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns reach for the belt. And now you have Brock on one side of the championship holding it and Roman on the other side. Now they're playing tug of war. And then Brock was able to pull the championship out of Roman's hand completely. And now Brock has full control of the championship. But before Brock could even use the championship belt and try to hit Roman with it, the Usos get in the ring and they hit Brock with a double super kick. Brock then drops the championship. Roman picks it up and hit Brock in the face with the championship. And then Roman throws the championship out the way. He covers Brock and a new referee slides right into the ring and counts the pinfall. And now you have a still undisputed Universal Champion Roman Reigns. After the match, this is where it gets interesting, ladies and gentlemen. The Bloodline are now on the main... Now they're starting to get to the entrance ramp. They're starting to get on the stage. And now you see Paul Heyman with the Universal Championship in his possession. And he looks like he has a, oh my God, holy crap face. And it looks like Paul is petrified. Now, is he petrified that Brock's going to go after him? Or he's petrified that his plan didn't work for Brock to retain, not retain, but become the Universal Champion. Because when you look at Paul's face, he has, oh my God, what have I done type of look. So now, Roman sees Paul, and now Roman's looking at Paul with a disgusted look on his face, and he's throwing up the one fingers, and the Usos are throwing up the one fingers. So we will have to see what happens on SmackDown. Because, again, I'm promising you, this story is not going to be uh, left unturned. And that was the end of Crown Jewel. So the final total tally for me was I was right six and I was wrong three. So, again, I was right two-thirds of the night. So that was still a good outcome for your boy. Now it's time for Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling opens up with a number one contenders match for the Impact Tag Team Championships between Finn Juice and Bullet Club's own Hikaleo and Chris Bang. Ends a double pinfall, and you don't have a winner because whenever one referee gets knocked out, again, another referee gets knocked out, another one comes on and referees the match. You see Juice get rolled up, well, Juice rolls up Hikaleo, and then Chris Bay rolls up David Finley, and as David Finley is being rolled up by Chris Bay, the uh, secondary referee, the new referee, is pinning for Juice, while the old referee is pinning for Chris Bay. So now you get both hit three at the exact same time, and they're calling for the bell. And now you're having Finn Juice arguing with the old the old referee, with Bullet Club arguing with the new referee, and they can't figure out who's going to be facing the Good Brothers at Power for Glory. Now you go backstage, and you still have this bickering and all this crap happening, and then you get Scott Demore saying, you know what? Before tonight's over with, I will make the decision who will be facing the Good Brothers at Bound for Glory for the Impact Tag Team Championships, and it was announced that at Bound for Glory, it will be a triple threat match for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships. It will be Bullet Club's own Hikaleo and Chris Bay going against the Good Brothers, going against Finn Juice. After this, we get a video play of Josh Alexander. He talks about his upbringing, talking about how he was a Husky kid, how he got into professional wrestling because his parents, uh, he wasn't a rich kid. He kind of was uh, lower class 
and he fast forwards it and talks about breaking his neck in his wrestling career and the Dodgers telling him that he couldn't wrestle again. But that just motivated him to start trying to get back in the ring and start living out a healthier life. And then when the Dodgers gave him the okay, he went back to professional wrestling. He got a contract from Impact and now he's here. And now he can't wait to face Christian Cage at Battle for Glory for the Impact World Championship. That's all this video package was all about. After this, now it's time for a triple threat tag team match, but it's intergender. It has Fallabaugh teaming up with Jordan Grace, going against the team of Tennille Dashwood and John Schuyler, and they're going against Chelsea Green and Crazy Steve. John Schuyler and Tennille Dashwood win the match by pinfall when Tennille was able to hit the spotlight kick on Fallabaugh and cover him for the win. After this, now it's time for Rhino to come out for promo because Rhino still hasn't talked to Heath and he still hasn't made his decision is he going to still be with Violence by Design. But before Rhino can even say anything, Heath comes down to the ring and Heath asks Rhino, how's he doing? Heath mentions how he's confused and doesn't understand how they don't have a communication between each other because he knows that they're friends. He knows that things have happened between Rhino and Violence by Design when Heath wasn't around. Heath mentioned that he's been watching the show. He's been watching what's been going down. Heath wants Rhino to know that he loves him. His family loves him. His family knows Rhino's family, and Rhino's family knows Heath's family. Heath is trying to tell the story of those two being true brothers and that, yo, I have your back and everything. You don't have to do and go back to Violence by Design. That's when Violence by Design comes out, and Eric Young grabs the microphone out of Rhino's hands, and Rhino still hasn't said none at this moment. Eric reminds Rhino that he made a pact to Violence by Design, and that they are family. Heath interrupts and says, Violence by Design isn't family. They're brainwashing Rhino. And now you get Eric Young and Heath later, Heath going back and forth with uh, just talking and trying to influence Rhino. Diener punches Heath right in the face, and now you have Heath beating up on uh, Diener, and you get Diener going back to beating up on Heath, and now you got Joe Doring and Eric Young all jumping and beating down on Heath, and Rhino is still in the ring. And then Rhino makes his way over, he pulls Diener off of Heath, and now you got a stalemate between Heath on one side of the ring, Violence by Design on the other side of the ring, and Rhino in the middle. Eric tells Rhino, you see it. And Rhino is now in the corner position. Now he's in a stance of he looks like he's about to spear Heath. And Rhino just slides out of the ring and walks through the crowd. So when this happened, Heath goes back to trying to beat up on Diener. But he ends up getting closed in line by Joe Doring. And then Joe and Diener both hold up Heath by the middle rope. And Eric Young grabs his flagpole and breaks it across the back of Heath. Now it's time for a one-on-one competition match between Savannah Evans, who has Tasha Steeles in her corner, going against Mickey James. In the middle of this match, uh, Deanna Perrazzo comes out, and she's on the entrance ramp to watch the rest of this match in person. And Mickey James picks up the win by pinfall when Mickey hits a mitt kick on Savannah and then hits Savannah with a jumping DDT to win the match. After the match, however... Deanna Perrazzo gets on the ring apron and Mickey James comes closer to her. And remember, they have a no-touch clause in that if Deanna touches Mickey, Deanna will get stripped of the knockouts championship. And if Mickey touches Deanna, Mickey will uh, relinquish her knockouts championship match at Bound for Glory. 
Deanna Perrazzo happens to lay a finger on Mickey and starts pushing her on the chest. And the commentators are saying, Deanna Perrazzo is breaking their no contact clause. And then she tells Mickey to turn around. Mickey turns around and there's Matthew Raywall in the ring. And Matthew just straight up clothesline Mickey right in the ring. Deanna then gets in the ring, picks up Mickey by the hair, and tells her that she'll see her at Bound for Glory, and then drops her head and then walks out of the ring. Now we go to the backstage, and Deanna Peraza is with Matthew, and they're met by Scott Demore. Deanna tells Scott, okay, I know what you're about to say, but before you say anything, I didn't technically touch Mickey. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't. It wasn't me that touched her. Scott says, you did technically touch her. See, you did this. And he's starting to poke Matthew right in the chest. And he's telling him, telling Deanna that technically you broke your no-touch policy. So technically, I should strip you of the knockout championship. Now you got Deanna saying, you won't do that. You won't strip me of the championship. Scott tells Deanna, you know what? I'm not going to strip you because I don't want you to lose the championship that way. I want you to lose it the exact way that you're supposed to lose it in the ring. And at Bound for Glory to Mickey James. He then tells Matthew that I better not see you nowhere near that match. Nowhere next to that ring, no nothing. Because if I see you, you and Deanna will be suspended from Impact forever. And now, that's the end of that. After this, we get a backstage segment of Brian Myers talking to his learning tree, which consists of Ziggy Dice, Manny Lemons, VSK, and Sam Beal. Brian is upset because VSK lost to Rich Swan last week and none of the learning tree helped VSK. So he lets them know there's going to be some cuts going on. Brian cuts Manny Lemons. So once that happens, Sam tells Brian that, listen, this won't happen again. I wrote down some notes. And Brian tells Sam, you know what? Sam, uh uh-uh. Notes ain't going to cut it this time. And then he makes the cutting and then he makes the scissors uh, hand gesture. And then Sam isn't Sam's oblivious to this. He goes over to Zicky and tells him to write his uh, home address down and everything, and we'll have your stuff sh- sent to you. Brian looks over and tells Sam, "No, not Zicky." He then goes over to VSK and he tells him, "Well, I need you to write your address down and everything." Sam is still oblivious to this. Brian has to stop him saying, Mm-mm. and then Sam finally clicks and he says, "Say it ain't true." Brian says, "It's true." And then Brian hits him with, you've been cut. So now Sam Bill is out of the learning tree. And uh, he's technically on his own. And Brian only now has Zicky Dice and VSK. And that's the end of this segment. Now we get another backstage segment. And it's supposed to be for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship contract signing. And Rosemary and Havig are there. But the inspiration aren't there. However, they sent their entertainment lawyer, Artie Evans, in their place. Whole main point, Havoc and Rosemary sign the contract, and they tell RD to tell their clients that uh, they can't wait to beat up their clients' pretty little faces at Bound for Glory. Whatever. After this, we get a one-on-one match between Alex Zane and Trey Miguel. Trey Miguel wins the match by pinfall. Trey was able to hit the Meteor off the top rope and cover Alex Zane for the win. After the match, Steve Macklin comes in and attacks Trey Miguel from behind and able to hit him with mayhem for all. And then you get El Fantasma and the rest of Bullet Club, which will be Hikaleo and Chris Bay coming into the ring. And El Fantasma hits Macklin with a super kick. And Macklin is now put down. 
Phantasmo tells Hikaleo and Bay to pick up Trey Miguel, and it looks like Phantasmo about to hit Trey with a super kick, but he goes over and punches him right in the nuts. So this is setting up their match at Battle for Glory for the X Division Championship between all three of these men, Macklin, Miguel, and El Phantasmo, for the winner to become the new X Division Champion. Now it's time for the main event segment of the nights. Josh Alexander and Christian Cage being uh, in the ring confronting each other. The main point of this is that Christian tells Josh that Josh doesn't have it in him because he sees that Josh's emotion keeps on getting the best of him. He hasn't been in a high-pressure situation like this, and Christian has. Josh has to stop Christian and tell him that, you know what, people used to say the same thing about you. People used to say that you weren't ready for the spotlight, you weren't, uh, your emotions weren't the best, you were only best suited as a tag team wrestler. And that all changed when you came to Impact Wrestling in 2005. So if anything, I'm following your footsteps, but I'm here to let you know that I'm here to take back that Impact Wrestling Championship. I'm not a guy that works for a different company under a billionaire. I'm a guy that works here. So I'm here to take that Impact Championship back to Impact Wrestling. And Christian is trying to mess around with Josh and makes him get upset and try to blow up. And Josh eventually bites, and now they get into a brawl. So now you get Christian Cage and Josh Alexander just brawling with each other. And you get security coming, and then you get certain members of the Impact uh, locker room to come out to separate the two. And that's how it ends to really like hype up this match between these two at Saturday's, well, tonight's uh, Bound for Glory event. And before this episode is done, I'm hoping to give you guys uh, my predictions for the Bound for Glory uh, pay-per-view. But again, that is the end of Impact Wrestling. Now it's time for SmackDown. SmackDown opens up with Roman Reigns coming out with Paul Heyman for an in-ring promo. But the surprising thing to me was, whenever Roman Reigns makes his way to the entrance, whenever he makes his way down to the ring, per se, Roman always does his pyro. And he still does his pyro this time, but whenever he usually does it, he usually stops, holds his hand out, and Paul Heyman gives him the Universal Championship. Roman lifts it up so he can lift up the belt. And Pyro goes off. This time, Roman doesn't ask for the belt. He doesn't grab it from Paul. He doesn't do nothing. He just lifts his finger up in the air. And Paul just looks at Roman like... He looks at Roman in shock that he didn't ask for the championship. Roman walks down to the ring and gets on the steel steps. Paul Heyman is, again, persistent trying to give the belt to Roman, and Roman just is not trying to have it. He just ain't paying attention to Paul, and he just walks up the steel steps. He gets in the ring, and again, the same thing. Roman usually grabs the belt, lifts it up in the air, and the pyro goes off again on the stage. This time, he doesn't ask for the belt. He lifts up his one finger, and pyro goes off. Now, I thought whenever Roman was going to talk, he was going to get another microphone since he didn't take the championship away from Paul Heyman, but he takes the microphone from Paul. And Paul Roman immediately says to Paul, you're not good at your job. Oh, no, no, no. He says to Paul first, oh, so you do know how to hand me something properly. And he's mentioning to whenever he asked for the championship at Crown Jewel, and Paul just happened to throw it in between both him and Brock Lesnar. 
And he said, okay, we're going to try something out here. Whenever I ask for the championship and I have my hand out, you're supposed to just put it in my hand. So we're going to try this out right now. Roman puts his hand out. Paul puts the championship in his hands. And he says, okay. And then he goes to question Paul and tells him, you're not good at your job, are you? And so now you start to see Roman really starting to get really cocky and arrogant. Because now, as soon as he gets done telling Paul, you're not good at your job, Roman says, I can say that because I'm good at my job. As a matter of fact, I'm the best of the best. I have been carrying SmackDown. I have been carrying this company on my back for a year and a half. Which, in reality, he technically has because as soon as Roman has come back on WWE's radar since the Thunderdome, he has technically been carrying this company on his back because people have been wanting to see what Roman is capable of doing with this whole head-of-the-table character, this whole creation that he has. So he isn't lying when he says this. He says that he calls himself the greatest universal champion in history and starts listing all the people that he beat in his reign. He says, I can't even start at the beginning, so I have to start at WrestleMania. He mentions Daniel Bryan. He mentions beating Edge. He mentions beating Cesaro, Finn Balor, John Cena. And he mentions beating, and then he looks at Paul and says, I even beat your boy, Brock Lesnar. And then he starts questioning where Brock is. Because Brock made a statement, and it got tweeted out, and Brock's statement was that whenever he gets to SmackDown, he's going to beat up Roman Reigns senseless. So, Roman then decides to call out Brock Lesnar. Roman says he's not going anywhere until Brock Lesnar shows up and tries to do something. So, Roman's in this ring, and he's just, he just waiting for Brock to come out. They go to commercial. And then as they come back from commercial, Roman is still in the ring. And he's talking to the fans like, hey, I was waiting for Brock Lesnar too. I can't wait to see him. As a matter of fact, Brock isn't going to be here because he's too afraid to go against me. I beat him so bad at Crown Jewel that he's starting to tweet now. Roman is constantly just poking the bear. And by God, the bear shows up with a vengeance. Because as soon as he constantly pokes the bear... Brock's music hits, and Brock walks his way down to the ring, and then once he gets in the ring, he turns that bear quickness completely on because he runs roughshod through Roman Reigns. He beats up on Roman, and then he clothes on Roman out of the ring. He then goes outside of the ring, still beats up on Roman some more. He goes over to the steel steps, but before he goes and grabs the steel steps, he looks at Paul Heyman. Paul is so afraid now because he knows what Brock is capable of doing. And he's just afraid that Brock's going to do something to him. Even at one point, Brock grabs the steel steps. You see Paul put his hands over his mouth and start to shriek a little bit. And then he realizes that Paul, no, Paul realizes that Brock isn't going to do nothing to him. So he had to move out of the way and Brock picks up the steel steps and it hits Roman with him. Brock then goes over to the commentary table, pull off the covering for the commentary table so he can have a flat surface so Roman can go through the table. You should know where I'm going with this. Brock picks up Roman and has him in position for the F5, and he's about to put him through the uh, commentary table. But before he can even do that, 
the Usos and referees from the back come out to try to stop Brock. Brock beats up the Usos. He suplexes one. He throws one over uh, the opposite side of the barricade. And he just going to town. Brock, even at one point, grabs a camera from a cameraman and shoves the cameraman to the side. And Roman is uh, hold up. Well, not hold up, but he's like getting himself up. And he's right next to the ring post. And Brock just quickly whips that camera into the ring post. And he's thinking he's about to hit Roman. Roman ducks. And he ends up smashing and breaking this camera. So once that happens, you start seeing officials completely just go to Brock and try to hold him off and create a separation. And when this happens, Roman is able to get out of the way. And now you see Brock just destroying some referees and then destroying some uh, backstage officials. And then you see Adam Pierce start calling out some uh, SmackDown wrestlers to come down to try to create some separation. And they're able to do that, but they were able to take some hits as well because certain SmackDown wrestlers got completely dominated by Brock Lesnar as the bloodline was able to make an escape up the ramp into the back. They go to commercial, and then when they come back from the commercial, you have Adam Pearce in the ring, and he makes a promo, and he cuts it on Brock Lesnar. He's saying that Brock Lesnar's actions were inexcusable. Not one person's actions can hold up a show. And what Brock Lesnar did was inexcusable, so I have come to the conclusion that I'm going to suspend Brock Lesnar indefinitely for his actions that he did earlier in the night. Brock comes out. And he starts walking his way down to the ring. And he starts, like, unclogging his ears with his finger. And he just mouths off, I didn't hear that correctly. He gets into the ring. He walks up to Adam Pierce, And he quickly, and I mean with quickness, great yanks up Pierce by the collar in the, like, God, the, uh, the bow tie. Not bow tie, but the... Uh, you know what I'm getting at here, the little uh the little uh tie. He quickly wraps that tie up around his hand and he just holding on Pierce's uh collar and he's just squeezing and you can see Pierce's face get red and he's trying to tell Brock, I had no choice, I had no choice. And Brock said, You I didn't hear that. Can you can you say that again? And Pierce tells him, I you were suspended indefinitely. So Pierce had the balls to tell Brock, you're still suspended indefinitely to his face. And Brock quickly pushes Pierce over into the corner and just holds him there. And then Brock hits a faint release. He smiles. He fixes Pierce up. He lets go of him. He fixes up his tie. He fixes up the suit. And it looks like Brock said, you know what? We're good here. But Brock quickly turns that and lifts up. Pierce, with the quickness on his shoulders, hits him with an F5 in the middle of the ring, and Brock then picks up Pierce again, and then hits him with another F5, and this time, it splits Pierce's inner pants, so now you can see Pierce has busted pants, the man is completely just got brutalized by Brock, I mean, Adam Pierce didn't have a good night at all, if we're gonna be honest here, 
Brock then decides to leave the ring, and you got Pat McAfee on commentary saying, my God, I thought last week Pierce was an idiot, and this time, he really proved it. He was an idiot. Now we go to backstage, and we get Sonya Deville um, on the phone. She's talking to somebody, and you hear Sonya saying that she has plans on getting everything back on track tonight. Everything's going to be swell. It's okay. I got this. And then once she turns to her right, Naomi is there waiting for her. Naomi tells Sonya Deville point blank that she wants a fair one-on-one match with Sonya tonight because last week Sonya didn't give her that match, which she initially told Naomi that it was going to be a one-on-one match between her and uh, Sonya. Sonya Deville tells Naomi that not everything's about her. She sees Sonya's talking about, did Naomi see what happened earlier in the night? So right now she doesn't have time to deal with somebody like Naomi, and she tells Naomi to go away. Naomi does what she has to do. She walks away, so she'll have to pick her uh, fights uh, probably next week or a couple weeks from now. And as soon as Naomi walks away, Sonya Deville turns to her left, and Drew McIntyre standing right there. Drew tells Sonya Deville, I heard you over the phone, and I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to go out to that ring. I'm going to get everything back on track. I'm going to issue an open challenge to anybody that's ready to fight and see who has the balls to step up on SmackDown. So Drew McIntyre goes out to the ring. He calls out an open challenge. And Sami Zayn answers the open challenge. So now we get Drew McIntyre going against Sami Zayn. Drew McIntyre wins the match by pinfall. But Sami Zayn had the match won. The only thing he had to do was hit Drew with his Aluva kick. But Sammy got cocky. Sammy had Drew set up in the corner. He had his position perfectly for the Aluva kick. But instead of running over there and nailing it, he mocks Drew by doing his version of Drew's countdown of the 3, 2, 1. And as soon as he hits the 1 and he's running towards Drew, Drew was able to quickly snap out of it and run over and hit Sammy with the Claymore kick and cover him for the win. After this match, now it's time for the coronation of King Woods. They call it King Xavier, but by God, they should have just kept it with King Woods. Anyway, no matter what you want to call it, you had Kofi Kingston coming out and announcing his boy, Xavier Woods as the king of the ring, and he calls Kofi uh, Xavier out. Xavier comes out. He's wearing his in-ring gear. He goes into the ring. He gets coronated by his boy, Kofi. He wears the crown. He has the cape, and he has the scepter. And Xavier says he's making a royal decree. He's going to be a fair and ruly king. He's not going to... uh, undermine anybody. He's going to be a fair and just king. So, we're more than likely going to see a good Persona king never... Uh, it's been a minute since we had like a good king of the ring, because usually, king of the rings are like an evil, bad guy, dickhead. But Xavier, he's not going to be none of that. So, he's made that as his royal decree, and we're just having to see what goes on later down the line with King Xavier. I wish they would have had a biggie on this, and I understand people or officially on their SmackDown and Raw brands because they got drafted over. I get that. But for every major event in the New Day's careers, they have all been there. Kofi at WrestleMania uh, with Xavier and Biggie lifting up Kofi. 
Big E winning the WWE Championship on Monday Night Raw. You had Kofi and Xavier running down to the ring and just huddle around Big E. And for the coronation, I wish they would have Big E there just so he can just be here there with his boy. The same way that Xavier has been there for each and every single one of them. I'm glad Kofi was there, even though Kofi was drafted. I just wish that Big E was there so we could have got the full New Day experience. But hey, we'll probably get that at Survivor Series because they like to do that with the New Day on uh, big uh, events. Have them come together. They'll give them some type of segment so the fans can get that feel-good moment from the New Day. So probably we'll get that at Survivor Series. Uh then we go to a backstage promo for Becky Lynch because later in the night, we're supposed to get a SmackDown uh, Women's Championship exchange, meaning that Becky's still the uh, SmackDown Women's Champion, even though she's on Monday Night Raw, and Charlotte is the Raw Women's Champion, even though she's on SmackDown. So these two women are supposed to exchange and give away both of their belts to each other, just make a swap so they can be the Women's Champion for their respective brand. Becky doesn't want, in the backstage promo, Becky mentions that she doesn't want a title exchange. She might uh, want to hold both of the belts since she technically never lost the Raw Women's Championship. She only had to give it up because she was found out to be pregnant. So we will see later down in the night if uh, Becky would give up her championship. We'll just have to see. After this, we get a rematch from Crown Jewel. Mansoor going against Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor wins the match by pinfall. Mansoor was able to counter uh, Mustafa Ali's sunset flip and able to drop and just hold on to Ali's shoulders and pin him. And that's it for that match. After this, we get Hit Row coming out to the coming out to the ring, and they start off by introducing themselves. The top dollar goes off by saying he's top dollar and he's the top dollar. He's all about the money. Ashanti Diodonis talks about being uh, Ashanti Diodonis. B-Fab talks about being B-Fab. And Swerve Scott talks about being Swerve. You get the drift. Hit Rose here to show off and be the best on SmackDown and all about and making that money. And the first match in Hit Rose, WWE main roster, uh, career, you get Top Dollar and Isaiah Swerve Scott teaming together with B-Fab and Ashanti Diodonis in their corner, going against two jobbers, and this was an easy one to predict. Hit Row win the match by pinfall very easily. The finish of this match was whenever Top Dollar had one of the jobbers in the sidewalk slam position, and he tags in Isaiah Swerve Scott. Swerve comes in, and hits a jumping kick to the guy's head, and then Top Dollar was able to finish him off with the sidewalk slam, and then Swerve covers him for the pinfall. Again, this was not a bad introduction. Again, this is still for people that didn't watch NXT to know who Hit Row is. This is a great introduction, but I want them to pick it up next week, and hopefully that's what we'll get. After this, we get Kayla Braxton, who is outside of the trainer's office waiting to see and get some information about Adam Pierce. Sonya Deville walks out of the office and tells Kayla that Adam is banged up and he's in a fragile state at this moment. And Sonya mentions how she told Adam that she would tell Brock to his face that he would be suspended. But Adam Pierce took it upon himself and you can see where that got him. So now Adam has left Sonya Deville all by herself 
to handle the Becky in Charlotte deal, which could be combustible itself. So Sonya Deville is not worried, but you can tell that she's a little bit worried about the championship exchange not going to plan. And she knows that. So she's uh, hoping for the best. After this, we get Shinsuke Nakamura with Rick Boogs to go against Happy Corbett with Madcap Moss in his corner. Corbin wins the match by pinfall. Uh, this happens when both Nakamura and Corbin were laid out on the mat, and Rick Boog starts playing Nakamura's theme on his guitar. This is basically Nakamura's hulking up because he gets up and he starts beating down on Corbin as Rick Boogs is playing his theme song on his guitar. And once Nakamura is in the corner and he's ready to deliver the Kinshasa to Corbin, Mad Mo Madcap Moss runs over to Rick Boogs, puts his hand on the guitar so he can stop playing the music. This leads to Nakamura getting outside of the ring and attacking Madcap Moss. And then Baron Corbin sees this, takes advantage of this, goes outside of the ring, grabs Nakamura, throw him into the steel steps, then throws him back into the ring and hit the end of days for the win. So Happy Corbin technically has a win over the Intercontinental Champion, so he's more than likely next in line for an Intercontinental Championship match against Shinsuke Nakamura. Now it's time for the main event segment of the night. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair's championship switch off with Sonya Deville during the mediation. Sonya has both of these women in the ring, and both of them are in their ring gear. Like, they're ready to do something. Sonya tells both ladies that you guys know why you're here. You, it's time for you guys to swap championship so you guys can be the champion for your respective brands she tries to grab the championship from becky first but becky doesn't want to hand over the championship so Sonya Neville says okay we'll try it this way she goes over to charlotte and charlotte uh reluctantly but she was easier to get the belt off of charlotte and she tries to she tries to playfully hand it over to Sonya Neville, but Sonya isn't trying to have that and she tells, even at one point, Charlotte drops the belt, and Sonya has to tell Charlotte to pick it up. And Charlotte does. She hands the belt over to Sonya Deville, and then Sonya now has the Raw Women's Championship, and Sonya looks over at Becky and asks for the SmackDown Championship now. Becky tries to grab the Raw Women's Championship, and Sonya knows exactly what Becky's trying to do here. She says, no, I want the SmackDown. Give it up. Give it up. And you see Becky just lobby and throw the belt over to Charlotte, and once that happens, Sonya hands off the Raw Women's Championship to Becky, and SmackDown Women's Championship now is over in Charlotte's hands, so now they made the switch over, and they are now the champions of their respective brand. Charlotte gets on the mic and tells Becky that, you want to be Becky two belts, right? Why don't we have a match right now for both belts so we can do that? As soon as she mentions this, Sasha Banks comes out to stop this from happening. Sasha tells Charlotte, I don't know what you think you're doing, but I'm the boss around here. I'm the one that makes the decisions. This is not happening without my say-so. And Charlotte starts getting into mocking Sasha for feeling left out of this championship exchange, even though this Sasha's not a champion. Becky isn't trying to hear this. She grabs the microphone and tells them, listen, I'm heading off to Monday Night Raw. I'll see one of you two at Survivor Series. She slams the mic down into the mat and leaves out of the ring. So now in the ring now is Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. 
Charlotte mocks Sasha for not having a championship reign long enough for people to care about Sasha or even people to remember that Sasha was even a champion. And this is a sore point for Sasha because that's a true statement. The last reign that Sasha did have was literally last year, and it was from uh, Hell in Cell all the way to WrestleMania. And that was her longest reign as women's champion. All the other reigns were always short. So Sasha gets upset and she punches uh, Charlotte Flair in the mouth. And now you get both of these ladies start throwing hands. Sasha was able to get Charlotte out of the ring. And now you get Sasha and Charlotte fighting outside of the ring. And then you get officials coming out to separate the two ladies. And that's basically the end of SmackDown. You get SmackDown with... The end of SmackDown with Sasha and Charlotte just being separated. So you can tell somewhere down the line before Survivor Series does hit, because it will be champion versus champion, we're more than likely going to get Sasha going against Charlotte Flair on one of the episodes of SmackDown for the SmackDown Women's Championship, just so they can clear the air before Survivor Series does roll around. But again, that was the end of SmackDown. Now it's time for AEW Rampage. The first match of the night was the quarterfinals for the... World Championship Eliminator Tournament between Orange Cassidy and in his corner, Chuck Taylor going against Powerhouse Hobbs, but with, in his corner, Hook. Orange Cassidy wins the match by pinfall. What a shock. Not really. Hobbs uh, was dominating the match early on, and he dominated the match majority of the match, by the way. Uh, what changed this was whenever Hobbs had Orange Cassidy in the corner, and he was beating up on Cassidy, and usually you had to the count of five uh, to get out of the way so that your opponent can breathe. And if you don't, you get disqualified. The referee's counting one, two, three, four. Hobbs hears this, and he tells the referee to stop the counting, get out of my face. He goes back to beating up on Cassidy. The referee still continues to count. Hobbs tells the referee, yo, seriously, get out of my face. And it gets to a point that Hobbs even lifts up the ref and puts him in a different corner. And now you get Hobbs arguing with the referee. And the referee's yelling at Hobbs for putting, telling him, don't put your hands on me. I'm an official. And Hobbs is constantly going back and forth. And it looks like Hobbs is really getting upset. Hook gets on the ring apron and tells Hobbs, listen, you got a thing to handle with Orange Cassidy. Go take care of that. You don't need to get upset with the referee. Go back over there. So Hobbs is trying to calm himself down. And Orange Cassidy sees this as a perfect advantage point to strike. He goes behind Will Hobbs and quickly rolls him up with a mousetrap pin and pins him and beats him that way. And now Orange Cassidy advances to the semifinals of this uh, World Championship Eliminator Tournament. And you can tell that we're going to see Will Hobbs getting uh, some type of revenge on his referee later down the line because you know what Hobbs wasn't happy about this and even Taz on commentary wasn't happy about this he said this is messed up he, Will Hobbs got screwed so I can see Hobbs probably interfering later in this uh, tournament to get at the referee or probably even get at Orange Cassidy but time will tell exactly what happens with that after this we get Tony Schiavone inside the ring and he calls out Penta and Alex Albarhentes. Uh, so Penta could talk about uh, Phoenix because Phoenix last week on AEW uh, Dynamite, he got hit in the head with the championship belt, and that's the reason why he's not here. They just want to try to get an update on Phoenix. Not Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Penta and Alex get to the ring, and 
Before Penta can even reply to what Tony Giovanni has said, Alex taps Phoenix on the shoulder and he points out uh, two guys that are wearing the same mask that FTR wore last week whenever they faced off against Phoenix and Penta for the AAA championships. So Penta gets out of the ring, walks over to the guys that are wearing the mask, and he thinks that they're FTR. And he quickly pulls the mask off the guys, and they're just two fans. And Penta then gets attacked quickly from behind by FTR. FTR attacks Penta on the outside of the ring. Tully Blanchard comes out, and now you get FTR and Tully both attacking Alex Abrahantis. They even get to the point that they throw Alex back into the ring, and it looks like they're about to stomp on Alex's heel, but they don't. They let Alex get off with just a shot to the face, and FTR then held up both the AEW Tag Team Championships and the AAA Tag Team Belts. And you can tell that we're going with FTR going against Lucha Brothers, and we're probably going to get a winner-take-all match somewhere down the line. But Pac runs out to the ring, and FTR and Tully both run out of the ring because they're afraid of Pac, because Pac is a vicious guy, and now the numbers is technically even, even though they got Tully, who's an old man, and it is three on two, but Tully's still an old man, and Penta and Pac still can do some work. So FTR and Tully leave the ring, and they start walking away, so we're going to see... Uh, what goes on later down the line with that? The next match of the night is Anna Jay going against the AEW Women's Champion, Britt Baker, with Rebel and Jamie Hayter in her corner. And let me just say, this is a solid match for Anna Jay and Britt Baker, even though Anna Jay is still technically new to the scene and she's still got some little bit more work to do. I mean, this is a great, this is a solid match for her. I'm not even going to try to pick it apart. Uh, AEW Women's Division, they know what they got to do to uh, fix everything up, so... You know what it is. Britt wins the match by submission. Uh, when Anna Jay had the Queen Slayer locked in, which is basically a sleeper hold on Britt Baker, Britt was able to make it to the bottom rope, and Anna lets go of the maneuver. While Aunt, while Britt Baker's underneath the bottom rope, Anna Jay tries to go over and pull on Britt, but Britt grabs Anna by the head and drop her on the uh, ring uh, ropes, and the ropes catch Anna Jay in the throat. So now Anna Jay is uh, disillusioned and she's trying to figure out what just happened. And Britt quickly grabs Anna and pulls her and drop her down and locks in the lockjaw on Anna Jay. And Anna Jay holds out for a little bit, but she can't hold out but no longer. Anna Jay taps out and Britt Baker wins the match. After the match, Britt Baker locks in the lockjaw again back on Anna Jay. And this time, Ty Conti comes out into the ring and super kicks Britt in the head to let go of the hold. And Ty jumps on Britt Baker and starts attacking her until Britt Baker rolls out of the ring. So this tells you that Ty Conti now has Britt Baker on her mind. So uh, we'll get more on this whenever uh, they actually put a lot of more gas on this uh, feud. Now it's time for the main event. Andrade El Idolo going against Pac in their second match, and this time, everybody is barred from ringside. Pac wins the match by pinfall. Whenever Andrade was looking to hit his hammerlock DDT on Pac, Pac quickly uh, countered out of that and turned that into an inside cradle for the win. And as soon as the referee hit three, the lights went out. And as soon as the lights pop back on, you get 
Malachi Black standing in the ring. So now you got Malachi, Andrade, and Pac in the ring. And everybody's just so excited. And you hear the crowd just cheering for this because you got three of the best wrestlers and workers in AEW and professionally in the entire world in the ring. And we don't know what's about to happen. Malachi Black looks at Andrade, then he looks at Pac, and then he looks at Pac, and he sprays a mist right into Pac's face. So now you get Andrade beating down on Pac, and Malachi beating down on Pac, and Andrade then tells Malachi to get a steel chair. Malachi goes out of the ring and get a steel chair. And once Malachi gets back in the ring, and he's about to hit Pac with the steel chair, you see Arn Anderson walk down to the ring, and Malachi Black notices Arn. Malachi and Arn lock eyes. Arn then makes a gun a gun uh, finger. He points it at Malachi and shoots it and fire off. And out of nowhere, pops Cody through the crowd and pops into the ring. So now you got the fans cheering for Cody as he's attacking both Malachi and Andrade. This is the first time throughout this whole feud that Cody's actually getting cheered for attacking Malachi Black. Just want to point that one out. And the fans are cheering for Cody as he's laying out both Andrade. And he hits a power slam on Malachi Black. Andrade rolls out of the ring. Cody picks up the chair. And he's waiting for Malachi to get up because he's about to blast Malachi right in the head with it. Malachi sees Cody and then he rolls quickly out of the ring. And you are left with Cody just holding the chair as he's watching Malachi walked out of the uh to the back and that's how rampage ends so this is basically setting up for tonight's episode of aew dynamite which again i will give you the results on that on sunday's episode of my podcast because again dynamite is only for this time last week they were on saturday nights and tonight they're on saturday nights and then next week well this following week they'll be back on wednesday night so Next week's episode of Wrestling Highlights of the Week, you will be getting AEW Dynamite back into rotation on my Wrestling Highlights of the Week because we'll be back on uh, Wednesday. But since they're going to be on tonight, I'll be giving you the results tomorrow on my Sunday uh, episode of my uh, show. But before I get you guys out of here, let me give you the uh, res- my predictions for Bound for Glory. Um, for the Impact World Championship I see Josh Alexander beating Christian Cage because there's nothing left for Christian to technically do in Impact Wrestling. I see Christian was as a guy to take the belt off of Kenny, and um, it's the perfect time for Josh to have the belt because Josh uh, needs, I'm not going to say needs a big win, but it'll be a great um, thing for Josh to win the championship at Bound for Glory. Deanna Peraza going against Mickey James for the Knockouts Championship. Mickey James is going to win this because Deanna has ran through everybody in the women's division. There's nobody left for Deanna to go against. And usually whenever a championship reign happens, you have to have people to go against when you're holding the belt. But Deanna has literally ran through everybody unless we're going to get like a AEW uh, surprise or less like a independent uh, women's champion or former women's champion from the WWE or whatever company shows up and is a surprise about for glory. But again, I don't know what happened with that. If that might happen or might not, my guess is for Mickey James to walk out your new Impact Wrestling uh, knockout champion. 
The Call Your Shot gauntlet, so far, the only people that have been announced inside the match are Rich Swan, uh, Brian Myers, Moose, W. Morrissey, and Chris Saban. We know Chris Saban's going at number one, and W. Morrissey's coming out at number 20. More than likely, Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards are probably going to pop into this match. And um, if anything, out of these five, I see Moose winning the Call Your Shot gauntlet because Moose is a impact. Uh, he he's an impact wrestling alumni now. He's the only like top tier guy that hasn't won a world championship in impact wrestling. Yeah, you can say Gerald he held the uh, impact wrestling TNA world championship, but he really wasn't a world champion. Let's be honest with that. That was only a facade title. So. Moose should win this Call Your Shot gauntlet. W. Morrissey isn't going to do it because I feel that Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan is going to chuck more Morrissey out there and get any opportunity he can. And I feel that they might try to do that with Moose, but something's going to happen with that. But again, I just feel Moose is going to win. And if not, I have no idea who's going to win this. I don't see Rich Swan. I don't see Chris Saban. I don't see Brian Myers. So there might be somebody out of this rest of the... 15 men that might do it, but only these five men being announced with 15 men in the mystery area, Mark. I only can go by who's been announced, and I just see Moose winning this. And after this, we got the X Division triple threat match for the X Division uh, championship with Trey Miguel, Steve Macklin, El Phantasmo. Uh, they're probably going to give it, you know what? Give it to Trey Miguel. El Fantasmo's with New Japan, and I'm not sure how longer they're going to have El Fantasmo in the States. So, I don't see him winning the championship. And, uh, yeah, I just see Trey Miguel winning it because Steve Macklin, no. El Fantasmo, he would be a great choice, but again, he's not going to be in the States long. I don't see it. So, I see Trey Miguel winning the x championship in this match. For the knockouts, uh, tag team championship between Decay going against the Inspiration formerly known as the Iconics. I see the inspiration winning this because Decay has nobody to go against. And with the Iconics, formerly known as the Iconics, now known as the Inspiration coming in and winning the Knockouts Tag Team Championships, it quickly puts uh, the Knockouts belts on a different level of relevancy. And it gives uh, the Inspiration something to do quickly on Impact Wrestling. After this, we got Heath Slater and Rhino, maybe, because Rhino technically hasn't agreed to it, going against Violence by Design. I see Heath and Rhino, because I feel that Rhino's going to show up in this match and just, like, snap out of it. And I see Heath and Rhino beating Violence by Design. That's the only way I see this happening. Now, the three-way uh, three way tag team match for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships with the Good Brothers going against Finn Juice, going against Chris Bay and Hikaleo. Uh, you know what? I see Bullet Club winning this. I see Bullet Club of Chris Bay and Hikaleo winning this, and I see them beating the Good Brothers. The reason why I say that is this. The G1 has wrapped up, and I'm sorry for not covering the G1. I just didn't have enough time, and I didn't find it relevant to cover the G1. The G1, for anybody that doesn't know, the G1 is a New Japan professional wrestling uh, tournament. That happened over in Japan, and the winner of the tournament usually challenges the their world champion at Wrestle Kingdom. So, they had a tournament this year, and Okada won, but he won because they had to call the X out in the match because Cody Ibushi separated his shoulder in the match in the finals of the G1 
So Okada technically is the winner of the G1, but he wants to face Kota Ibushi whenever he gets himself healed up. But I'll get more into that next week. But if you want to follow that, you can go to YouTube and uh, watch a black guy named uh, Wrestling Ranton. I have had conversations with him on Twitter for uh, about wrestling and also to make sure how my podcast sounds. He's given me some advice as well. He's told me to slow down and uh, so everything can get soaked in. The same thing that I've gotten from everybody else, but I do appreciate uh, the feedback from him. But if you want to learn a lot about New Japan, professional wrestling updates, and about the G1 and everything that goes on about New Japan, go to Wrestling Ranting on YouTube. And um, yeah, that'll be a great place for you to start. But anyway, the New Japan's G1 just got done finish. And Hickle and uh, not Hickle, yeah, Hikaleo's brothers, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga, and uh, Tangaloa just got done over in the G1, and I can see them flying over to Los and Las Vegas and showing up and having a confrontation with the Good Brothers. I can see that happening, and I can see them giving the win over to Chris Bay and Hikaleo for that reason. So I can see this happening. So for my pick for this, I see Bullet Club's Chris Bay and Hikaleo winning the Impact Wrestling World title match with some interference from the Gorillas of Destiny. But if not, I still see uh, the Bullet Club winning the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Championships. And with that, that has been the Battle for Glory predictions. And with that, that has also been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Sis Podcast, hosted by G2. I have been G2. And let me, before I get you guys out of here, let me give you the social media uh, links where you can find me at. On Twitter, you can find me at, at My Two Podcast. On Instagram, you can find me at My Two Sis Podcast G2. And for my email, if you want to email me about how you feel, you want to feel like you have somebody to talk to, whether you are depressed, happy, sad, uh, any emotion that you feel, if you feel that you can't talk to anybody, I am here to talk to you. My email is always open. Again, I have no takers so far, but that's fine. I just want to constantly give you guys my email to let you guys know that I'm here whenever you want to talk. And my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, my my two, the actual number two, not T W O or T O O. You got to put the actual number two in C E N T S P O D at yahoo.com. And that's how you can reach me for any type of information that you want to give me, whether you're sad, depressed, happy. Uh, any type of emotion that you feel that you don't want to burden onto anybody or you feel that you don't want to be a burden to your family or friends, you can just want to talk to a stranger. And sometimes a stranger can help you put things into perception because I don't know you from Adam to Eve, dust to dirt. I don't know you and you don't know me. So that's one way that you can easily just uh, conversate with somebody. I am always here for you. And um, yeah, that's all the social media links. Oh, yeah, I am on an app called Wisdom. W-I-S-D-O-M. You find it on your app stores. It's an Albert Einstein uh, looking type icon. Purple looking Albert Einstein with uh, white headphones on his ears. Once you see it, trust me, you know exactly it's Albert Einstein. Once you type in wisdom on um, your app store and Apple, Apple App Store. I'm not sure if it's on any of the Samsung uh, platforms, but I do know it's on Apple. So just want to throw that out there. I am on wisdom. You can follow me on there. It's basically a small TED Talk 
for people. You can grab any type of information that you want for people. And just people on there just talking just to give you some type of uh, encouragement or just to have conversations with individuals. People call it another version of Clubhouse. I've never been on Clubhouse, so I wouldn't know. But again, I just wanted to throw it out there where you can also visit me on Wisdom. Um, I believe that's it. But with that, this has been Wrestling Holidays of the Week, uh, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am him, and he is I. I love you all. I have uh, my Sunday episode coming out tomorrow where I talk about things in the news or things that I personally find interesting to myself. But this week is going to be news-related, so I just want to let you guys know that one right now. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys do tune in tomorrow. If you do, that's great. If you don't, hey, you will be hearing from me again next Saturday for another edition of Wrestling Highlights of the Week where I will be covering uh, AEW, Dynamite, Rampage, Impact Wrestling, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, and also the results from Bound for Glory. And with that, I bid you all adieu. I love you all. I want you to have a great Saturday. Uh, A great Saturday morning, night, or afternoon, whenever you listen to this thing. Um... Be blessed. I love you all again. This has been my Two Cents Podcast presenting Wrestling Highlights of the Week hosted by G2. I am him. He is I. I love you all. I want you to have a great day. And I hope to hear you get, I hope that you hear from me tomorrow on the Sunday episode. But if not, you'll hear from me again next Saturday. And with that, Kanye, can you please take these people out of here? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.